This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Joe and Chaps Takeover for That Millwall podcast. Today we have a special guest on the show. Welcome to the show, Benjamin. How are we doing, guys? Um, normally I have the best hair on whatever show I'm on, but I'm 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 feeling a bit you know, I'm feeling a bit down on the on the hair stakes here because your your two is both pretty impressive, I have to say. Well, I actually thought I was on a bad hair day earlier until I saw you in. So uh, <laughs> I feel I feel alright now actually. But I do love the uh, the blue setting in the background. I love that mill thing you got going on there. I've got, I've got, and just before you went on, I got a couple of people to just smoke a cigarette in here. And <laughs> it's in the toilet. Like, yeah, feel like the toilet the toilet yeah. in the Barry kitchen here. Yeah. <laughs> people, well, say, before we continue that you know secretly you're like a mills like your you're second team you've certainly got a soft spot for us you seem to sort of uh be really good size is, is there any kind of truth in that i mean do you sort of have a special kind of affiliation absolutely i what i would say is football fans are like single men who you know like if a if a woman just looks oh she's interested in me she fancies me so look I, I had a great time in the, so it would have been a 17-18 season. Millwall always seemed to be on a night that I could go. So I'd go and cover them. The team was really good. You finished eighth, went on a great run. I was building the YouTube channel all the time it worked out. I would, I, I try and be completely impartial. Obviously, I'm an Ipswich fan, so they're, they're my team. They'll always be my team. In terms of soft spots, um, yeah. And I would say... There's no other club like Millwall, is there, in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the kind of the way the, the fan philosophy reflects to the area of the club, reflects to the ownership, reflects to the pitch. I think that's more joined up than you get at most clubs. And I think that makes it, that makes it pretty cool. And I, I also just like the fact that um, people think Millwall fans are horrible and they're perfectly lovely to me. I think. You know, I'll, I'll always, I'll always go to bat for him in that regard. So, yeah, yeah, that's really kind. Thanks for those words. Really nice. No, amazing. And, and um, thank you again for for joining, Ben. And um, I, I will admit, and I said I wouldn't say this on air, but I am. I'm a. I've been a massive fan of your channel for years. So I've oh, been really particularly excited for this. And for those of you that don't know, um, so uh, Ben's channel is the Benjamin Bloom Football Channel, and he's got uh, all sorts of content on there from. 
pre-match predictions with various various different uh, fans and and also the likes of Joby McEnough, et cetera, have been on there. I, I've, I've noticed, uh, Ben, um, stadium rankings, match reviews, one-off reviews. So loads of great content. So please do go and check uh, his channel out. Um, Joe, my sort of co-host, how are you doing, mate? You, you looking forward to this one? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I'm always excited when, when we're on here, but I'm especially excited today um, yeah, to be here with, with, with Benjamin, of course. Yeah, Benjamin is a legend uh, in what he does. Uh, and... Um, you know, his growth, his, his profile is building every season and it won't be too long before we see him in the regular on Sky Sports panel, I'm sure, you know, like he's going to go go far. So um, watch watch this space and I'm sure uh, in not too not distant future, he'll be going places. So thanks again, Benjamin, we appreciate you. No, it's, Enjoy it's really kind and I do appreciate the the nice words. Uh, I'll always say I've, ne- I've not played, I've not managed, I've not been in the dressing room, I'm just a fan, like you guys with with an opinion who you know jumped on the jumped on the youtube it's very humbling when you know people are willing to you probably have the same experience people are willing to listen to to what you've said none of us profess to know any more than a pro who's played um i just been speaking to jamie mackie for um the predictions this morning and you kind of think if people like that have played hundreds of games of football they they just see it on a different level than we do but what us fans can bring is, you know, the passion and, you know, how much we care. And, that, you know, no, nobody nobody can make that, can they? Absolutely. I guess it's a different perspective as well. If you're a player, you're on the pitch, you don't really see it. Whereas us as spectators, you're there, you're analysing everything that goes on. They're not aware of what goes on you know, across the whole pitch, are they? They kind of focus on their game. And... No, as well, some of them, especially in the modern era, you know, from, I don't know, 10, 12, these guys are playing every weekend at age group level. They've never been a fan their entire life. They've been in this competitive, you know, so hard to get to the get to the top. So yeah, it's a completely completely different um, different angle from. But uh, don't get me wrong. Some some players you, you'll hear were on the terraces right the way going through, and you see Alan Shearer being a ball boy or whatever at, at Newcastle, you know. But yeah, it's it's just a different slant that we bring mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we've got a great show uh, lined up today. Uh, we're going to talk about three specific topics. So the first one we're going to sort of quiz Ben on is our uh, sort of Mills evolution under Gary Rowett. So, you know, kind of the, the three-year plan and, and sort of where we've where we've come up to now in, in, in Gary Rowett's reign. Then we're going to talk about the this, you know, the elephant in the room, the, uh, the, the, the last two games of the season, the, the playoff the race for the playoffs and 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 how we think that's going to shape up. And then finally, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, kind of like what's next for Millwall? Um, what will the championship look like next season? Obviously, Ben has first-hand experience of, of his team being in League One and looking like they're going to come up. Um, Stop it. So, um, would, uh, would be great to talk about that. So that's kind of what we're, we're not talking about that until it's confirmed. <laughs> if, if that when that does indeed happen, maybe on Saturday. <laughs> well, fingers crossed for you, mate. So, yeah. what have you made then of Gary Rowett's reign? Um, just coming up to sort of, as I say, his sort of three-year plan, uh, which he said he wanted to sort of be in and around and challenging for those playoff places. So, what have you made of his sort of tenure so far? Can I just ask one question before I answer? How long? How long is his contract? Uh, so uh, it's. Millwall keep contracts and things very, very hushed. They up. do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And I actually, I think if you ask loads of different Mill fans, they'll probably tell you different things. And I don't have any prior knowledge, but um, I'm not sure it's even not a rolling thing, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I actually don't know whether, um, you know, they could even part ways at the end of this season. I don't, I don't know. He, he signed an extension, was it a year ago, I think, wasn't it, on his uh, on his contract? So it must have been up for a new, I know that was extended, but I'm not, again, I'm not too sure how long for you. Would, you would have hoped to be a two-year or three-year, but... Well, Joe... A new one, yeah. The wording at the time, and it's, mm. it's very subtle, but it wasn't, I don't think it was called an extension, I think it was called agreed new terms. Right, okay. And if you look mm. at the wording in the article, so it doesn't say like, mm. oh... He signed, you know, like Mill often come out and say, oh, they've signed a new long-term deal. And all that really means it's probably two and a bit years. Yeah, so six months. <laughs> I don't think we know, but yeah. No, I mean, that's just an interesting wrinkle to it. And so often now, like you say, people have a year option on the end of normally a, a, a three-year deal, so to speak. But so in terms of the, the you know, the sort of long Long game with Rauer. Excuse me. Very unprofessional. Do not drink Diet Coke and try and talk at the same time. Um, in terms of the long game, so it was always an interesting kind of transition to begin with because obviously Neil Harris had something, you know, in terms of being a club legend that mm. makes it a hard act to follow and fans will then process the next manager in a different way. Um, as I said in the previous answer, Millwall's very unique. So something a manager of Millwall has to do is, is, is get it, and I can't explain that in any more um, sort of explicit terms than you have to understand what it is you're, you're managing in terms of the culture of the club. So I think he ticked that box in terms of um you know having let's just say let's 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 call Millwall disruptive as a club in a in a very complimentary way and if uh, in terms of um going away and making yourself hard to be is is kind of very Millwall isn't it you know it's like it's two fingers up to you in your nice stadium we're we're going to come and we're going to come and beat you one nil and Jeff Wallace is going to smash a free kick in from 30 yards and you're not going to know quite how, but we're going to leave with all the points. So that kind of worked in a different way because Neil Harris's approach to being disruptive was, no, we're going to play 4-4-2. We're going to run all over you. We're going to be nice and direct. Um, mm-hmm. The ball's going to be in play really quickly because we're going to play all the restarts real, real fast and mm-hmm. we're going to make you defend. And if you're better than us, fine. Have your three points, but we're going to make it a little bit hard for you. And Gary Rowe's come at the same kind of thing in a in a different way I know and I understand the Millwall fans probably prefer up and at them to I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and make life hard for you I I get that what I would say is in terms of budget and hierarchy which I know you probably get so bored of talking about but it is the championship and there are those cliff edges all the way down. I understand why Gary Rout plays it in the way he does. But let's be honest, he was like that at Birmingham. He was like that at Derby. He was like that at Stoke. It's not like Gary Rout became a defensive manager when he walked into Mill. He was already like that. So um, I think he's done a good job 
And you almost deserve over, I've said this before on, you know, talking about Mill, you almost deserve over the entirety of being in the championship to have got into the playoffs at least once. You know, just on the on the whole body of work. And I think everybody just wants to see a, a home leg at the den in the playoffs because it would just be it would just be great, won't it? You know, it'd be it, I, I just want to see the away players going. You know, if if you go there and win in the playoffs, fair play, well done, because that will be hostile as as anything in the best way. Because I I love it as a fan going there, just the the noise and the um, you know the hostility and how players stand up to it because they either sink or swim, don't they? So I know it's a bit split in your in your fan base. I know some of the fans would like to see going on the offensive on the pitch a bit more in terms of being ten meters further up and you know being a bit more aggressive in the in the attacking sense. But I think he's done a good job. Um I think hierarchy wise, Millwall for Millwall to get in the playoffs basically, they need a couple of the parachute teams to cock it up, don't they? They need to have a good a good season recruitment wise, injury wise, you know, and maybe for a couple of others to be under par. And I don't mean to be patronising to, to Millwall, but we all know if Middlesbrough perform, if Stoke perform, if all of the parachute teams perform, Bristol City perform. You know what I'm saying? Millwall kind of get bumped down if they don't match their weight. It's a very long-winded answer to say. I think he's done quite well. A really good answer. Really good answer. Uh, and 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 I I I would I would agree with that. I think the um, football is a results-based business, and I think you you take away the last sort of few weeks where results and performances haven't been great, but you look on the sort of you just take a step back and look at the facts. Um, I don't think you could argue that Gary Rowett has done a good job in that regard. I guess it's a classic case of what's got us here, can it get us there? Um, and, and to your point around us not of making the playoffs yet, um, is Gary Rowett the the right man to, to get us there? Mm. It, it, and, and it depends on... It does depend on what others do as well. I think when you play that style, and let's look at the examples of other teams who have got in there... Okay, maybe Huddersfield. Maybe Huddersfield last season were quite stoic, quite good on set plays, good at defending a lead. So, do you know what? Maybe maybe that tactic is fine. I'm just thinking of uh, Sheffield United, who were really quite innovative and quite brave, weren't they, to finish second. And the team that you guys are constantly going to be compared with now is Luton. And yeah. they're a little bit more... I know you played out a, a nil-nil and they almost sat back in the same way and said, do you know what will take a point from from this one? I, I think you guys will have, you, you'll have been at the game, you'll have far more knowledge of it than, than I. But I think those tactics can work. Do you know what though? The big worry I had was Millwall are going to get to a certain point and they're going to sell Jade Cooper and Jed Wallace and they're going to do what Ipswich did essentially and go, oh, you know what? We, we, I'm not going to go toe-to-toe with... Um, you know, with Stoke or whoever paying ex Premier League player mm. three million quid a year or whatever to play in the Championship, and I, I would have understood that. But what I've really liked is, and it was a mistake for Wallace to not bring in a transfer fee. I know they got good money for George Saville back in the 
back in the day. But what I have liked is, okay, no, we're not just going to sink down. Here comes uh, Fleming and Vogue Sammer and um, Styles was a, you know, one I've really liked at, at mm. I've really liked Shackleton actually at, at, at Leeds. You know, these are, these are players that when they were at other clubs, I was sort of, these players could really, really do something. So I think there's a lot of it that's pointing really nicely in the right direction. But I'll caveat all of that, that in the current system, with the broadcast money distributed how it is, it needs to be like a perfect storm for Millwall, Leuven, whoever to get all that. I'd love to see it. Absolutely would love to see Millwall, Luton, whoever, you know, the teams that always get mentioned as mm. Preston or someone like you'd love to see him get right through and okay, they'll probably score 25 points in the Premier League, but <laughs> bank that money and then you're the king. Nice be there. Down, yeah? That's right. Absolutely. The interesting point that you mentioned um, about us punching and we are punching above our weight. And I think we've, also, a lot of our fans, I think, yeah, a section of fans that are quite honest and, and would admit that we are punched by one of the lowest uh, wage budget transfer budgets in the league. So, really, you think about where we're positioned at the moment, we're quite fortunate. Um, however, you know, there are some sort of Millwall fans there that believe that we should be doing better or we should be aiming higher at the pitch. And, you know, like you said, we should be like play it up and up a bit more attacking. But you can't help but feel if we were playing the Neil Harris way, who would be fighting relegation at the moment rather than? Fighting for a playoff place, and maybe tactically, like you say, Riot's probably created this kind of defensive, counter-attacking type of football that has probably got us where we are now. You know, we can't really be too, you know, despondent by that and complain too much by it, really. You know, and that's the beauty of the debate because you can't tell those people that they're wrong because we haven't lived out an existence where you have played with these players on the on the front foot. It's a great debate. You'll 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 never know. Um, uh, you. In the reality that we do live in, you're you're doing pretty well. You know, mm. might you have finished in the playoffs before? Maybe, but you know, we we don't know. There's, I mean, uh, forgive my Millwall history. I do feel was there one season where I thought was it the was it the nineteen twenty one? Yeah, so I just got the table up there where his Wansey snuck in on the very last day, didn't they? That huge turnaround against they did. Um, yeah, and you kind of would have thought. You know, that because Wallace was there and Cooper yeah. was two years younger and it looked like, I don't know whether that, whether the, the, the naysayer fans, I'm not saying they're wrong, but yeah. whether they've got a point there for that particular season. Possibly, because I guess where, where you are, you always want to try and better yourself the season after. You don't want to go backwards, do you? Yeah. I think you want to try and reinvest. And like you touched on earlier about recruitment being important. I think for us, as much as we try to ignore it, we try to forget about it, and it's yesterday's news. But Jed Wallace leaving against West Brom um, is probably a difference for us. Um, yeah, being a team that could make the playoffs quite comfortably this season, and and, and being in a position where we are at the moment. I mean, what he's doing for West Brom, he's done for us over the last sort of three or four seasons. Um, even this season, I think he scored like yeah five or six goals for them. They got eight or nine assists for them. They seem to love him. The fans are really warm to him. Um, and although I'm really pleased with the signing of Zierre Fleming, who I think is a player we desperately needed, who plays that number 10 role for us, we do lack that kind of attacking contribution, if you like, from the wide areas. And Jack Wallace should give us that in abundance. So, you know, I know, I know it's you know a bit, a bit like yesterday's news now, you've got to kind of move forward, but I can't help but feel if we kept on on, on with uh, Jack Wallace, kept him, adding Zierre Fleming, 
we could have a real good go at this season. I'm not saying we're going to be in top two, but certainly we'll probably be in positions where, say, Luton is or Middlesbrough at the moment. So recruitment is, is imperative, isn't it? And how you sort of slip you know, your players in and get, get the right sort of um, right balance, I suppose, you know? So the only thing I would say about that is, and this is where we'll find out whether Gary Rowett is a top championship manager or a middle middle-in championship mm-hmm. manager, is you just wonder whether would it matter if he had three or four super attacking talents, would he still play through one of them? Because something in my brain says, would they, you know, yeah. would, would they both get equal output under him? Would he adapt? I mean, we, we, we don't want to patronise someone who obviously knows way more about, probably forgotten more about football than the three of us, you know, <laughs> will, will ever know. But would you do see that pattern of, you know, okay, Wallace was there and everything went through Wallace. Fleming's mm. there and, okay, but Bradshaw gets goals as well. But, you you know, you, you would hope he would evolve to enjoy those mm. two players at the same time. And Sorry, I was just looking, if you're looking at me looking down here, as you were talking, and this will be, and I'm kind of debating with myself here, but that's, you know, that, that that's fine to get, to get your head around it. But the Millwall fans who would argue that probably Luton, Coventry, well, Luton, Coventry and Sunderland, Coventry and Sunderland have been in League One lately as of, as of Millwall past five years. Luton have been even lower, are all in there at the moment. Last season, uh, Huddersfield got in there, Luton got in there. Uh, previous season, Barnsley got in there. So that would be a good counter-argument to say, if I were a Millwall fan saying, no, why not? We could have got in there. I'm, it's it's hard, you know, if you were trying try to be balanced about it, but it's hard to argue, well, well, Barnsley got in there, you know. Mm. And I think one of the things that just to sort of, the, the clubs you mentioned there, the sort of your Lutons, your commentaries, your Sunderlands, I think their recruitment um, over the last couple of years has been fantastic and it's very very different um so Sunderland have a really specific recruitment model around age uh, and looking at players of certain age groups um Coventry have kind of you know invested into you know the likes of Gustavo Hamer and your careers and, and paid a little bit of money but they're similar kind of to what, similar to what you've done with Fleming isn't it yeah, you, you kind of have to build a, you sort of take a punt, build a star, and then hopefully sell them off a lot more and then buy one or two more stars, right? Um, and then, of course, Luton, um, they basically signed Barnsley's old strike force <laughs> um, and have made some rubber, some, some other really, they make good use of the loan market this season. Very clever with older players as well, Luton, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So I guess the point I'm trying to make there is I think um, Fleming was a great signing and I think he was needed with Jed going, but the the consistency of good recruitment over the last sort of two, three, four sort of transfer windows for those clubs, I think is is a little bit of a difference to where we are at the moment. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And it's I always have these conversations with people and I, what my club needs to do is use the Brentford model. And I'm like, well, yeah. And I would also like to use this diet and workout model and you know, then look at me. But it's easier said than done sometimes. And, you know, you look at the the clubs, they just get their recruitment right over and over and over again and amp it up and amp it up. And, yeah, okay, Brentford did. And then in the background there, you have got a very, very wealthy owner at Brentford. I know they did it the right the right way, but, um, you know, it's it's tough. 
it's really, really tough. And uh, again, I don't want to go and send like some socialist ranter or whatever, but it would be lovely if clubs like Millwall and Luton and commentary were rewarded. And it, it wasn't just that, um, uh, you know, and I, I love what Sheffield United did in 2019, but after Tuesday night, seven of the last eight automatic promotion teams down the championship have been um, receiving parachute payments. That's a fact for you. That's the stat. So that's probably a nice segue as well for us to move on to promotion from from the championship. So obviously we now know at time of recording that Burnley and Shepherd United um, are are up in, in the top two and probably deservedly so over the course of the season. I think no one could argue really with those two. Middlesbrough and Luton all but confirmed. Um, they may even be confirmed at this state. I'm, I'm not sure in terms yeah, of the yeah, yeah. playoffs. And then you've got take you you know all the way down to Swansea perhaps and I enjoyed your video the other day Ben where you were sort of talking about what what could what you know what needs to be true for those things to happen so Chris I, I knew less about it after making that video than I did before <laughs> <laughs> well so yeah it's it's um it's going to go to the wire I um, I would imagine and um, I think from a, a selfish Millwall stance We've got an opportunity on Friday to put the pressure on other teams by by going to Blackpool and and and, and taking through points. We're not in the best of form, but um, not to necessarily put you on the spot, but also put you on the spot, uh, Ben. Um, for those that haven't seen your video, how do you really kind of see it shaping up? <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk in broad terms because I'll just make a fool out of myself. Um, we're literally trying to do the predictions just a minute ago for the weekend, and you're almost going. Well, I'll try and do Cardiff, but the second Cardiff play at Rotherham tonight, the landscape changes. That changes the game. And then you're looking at Luton Blackburn on Monday and you're like, well, how will Luton play this? Well, there's going to be a load of more games before that. And we've already seen Middlesbrough start resting some players and playing the lot. So will the Luton follow suit? Does that then help Blackburn go in? Do Luton go full throttle at Blackburn, which would hinder Blackburn at and you, you, there's so many variables. So the broad things we know, I mean, look at it really simplistically. Are Millwall better than Blackpool? Yes, they are. Should Millwall beat Blackpool? They probably should. Are Millwall in good form at the moment? No. Blackpool are hanging on, hanging on in there. Um, what we do know is that contrary to what people think, it's a bit of a myth that, and we were saying this before we went on air, that people swap places on the last day the high ground is so so important you know because when things break down to chaos on the last day and we're all on our phones working out the league tables because someone took the lead after five minutes or whatever often it just comes back round over the entirety of that 90 minutes and whoever's got the higher ground kind of stays in there so i think mill will have to beat blackpool if they if they want to stay in there get up um, on that last day, again, Coventry go to Middlesbrough, but are they going to be playing Middlesbrough reserves? You d- we d- we don't know the the context of all these things. Will Luton have beat Blackburn, and then um, that could completely take the edge off Blackburn for your for your last game against them? So, all I would say is I think you have to beat Blackpool, and once it goes down to the chaos of the last day and don't get me wrong, I'm very militant about people using the word lottery. It's not a lottery the last day of the season. 
Uh, neither of the playoffs, neither of penalty shootouts, by the way, while well, I'm ranting about these things. <laughs> but you do want to have the higher ground when it all breaks down on that on that last day. And um, I also think you, you want to be at home on the last day, and you are. So a few things mm-hmm. going over. What do you guys think? Me personally, I did um, a quick sort of calculation how I you know, thought it would go, and um, I, I was quite honest. You know, I, I think we're going to struggle against uh, Blackpool. Um, they are fighting for their lives. Obviously, mathematically, they can still stay up, so they need to win against us to stand any chance of survival. Uh, if we beat them, I think they're, they're technically relegated, um, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I think they're going to go at it, you know, and. Um, Similar to how I play against Wigan, really, I think they're going to be more up for it than we are. I don't know why, but it's just how, how it's been lately. We, we're in bad form, so I can see them beating us. Um, I can then see us weirdly beating Blackburn last game season. But what I would say is that I do think the teams in and around us, especially one sort of very close, we were above us, will probably slip up somewhere um, along the line. I mean, um, I, I don't see. For example, I don't see Swansea stepping up. I think they'll get all six points in the next two games. They've got to play against uh, Hull, away, which I think they'll, they'll win you know, quite quite easily. And they've got West Brom at home. West Brom a little bit hit and miss at the moment as well. So I can see them win, but it'll be too late for Swansea, unfortunately. So I think they will, although they'll, they'll get quite a high, I think they'll probably finish you know, seventh or eighth. Um, I think unless we beat Blackpool, um, we've got no chance. Because even if we win against um, Blackburn, um, Sunderland and Coventry will pick up points and they will keep their places in, in fifth and sixth spot uh, and we'll probably narrowly miss out by a point is how I kind of calculated it so um, yeah to your point there I think we, we really need to beat Blackpool to stand any chance against the last game we, we lose this one that's it it's, it's over yeah and even though it looks like it's a low tide doesn't it because you're talking about Millwall finishing on 68 um, yeah Coventry could it just depends what Middlesbrough do on that last day of the season, but they could be going into it with 69. I think they've got Birmingham at home, which is an all right fixture, and Sunderland have got Watford at home. And, you know, if Watford had no intensity when they could make the playoffs, what are they going to be like now they, now they can't make it? Hey, look, they probably went 4 0 now. Watford, <laughs> but all, their, all their expensive players will probably show up and play beautifully, <laughs> won't they? And, uh, so with no pressure, yeah, you're right. It's true. There's a lot of head-to-heads as well, Joe. Isn't there? there's Norwich, West Brom. I believe Preston have to go to Sheffield United. I'm trying to remember. Picture the scene: all of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, We understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. All the the things, only many permutations. Yeah, so Preston plays Sheffield United, then I think Preston then play at home to Sunderland. And again, I could see the, the last one there, Preston Sunderland being a nil-nil draw, you know. 
Preston are quite sort of strong defensively. Sunderland. I reckon over if Sunderland can get in the playoffs, I reckon over fifty percent of that stadium will be Sunderland fans on that last day. So that could <laughs> no, but no, seriously, that could be one of those mad last days where Sunderland just get roared over the line somehow. Well, when we would play them at our ground this season, I mean, they we, we very rarely, as you know, we very rarely give the bottom tier away because we try and keep it very kind of you know segregated with the fans, your weight fans, but they filled up home and away and they were loud and they were standing up the whole game. Oh, Joe, I was at the playoff final when they went up and I could get any seat I wanted with the Wickham fans and then you looked around of the Sunderland and it was, I think it was 40,000 of completely full right up to the top yeah. of Wembley. Yeah, brilliant. Incredible. Incredible fan base. Big, big following them. Yeah. Uh, so that, that can make a difference as well. Like you're saying, Benjamin, that could be so that that could help them get across the line as well for them. How about yourself, Chris? Yeah, um, so I think I think if we win, if we get six points for the next two games, I think mm-hmm. we will be in the playoffs. I mm-hmm. still hold that belief. I think someone has, someone will slip up, and I think um, it's so close. Uh, I, I genuinely think that. Do I think we will get the six points? The answer to that question is no. So, <laughs> therefore, I, I don't think we'll end up in the playoffs. What I would say is, Barring Swansea, which I'll talk about in a second, I think the top six as it stands now, with Coventry and Sunderland in the top six, is the best six teams in the league, in my opinion. Can we be very honest about this? Whoever gets in fifth and sixth are not as good as Luton and Middlesbrough. That would be a hot, a hot bet to be the final as well. I know it doesn't always work out like that, but it does feel like two at the top, better than everybody else. The next two reasonably close to the top two but not not good enough and then like you say complete wacky races for fifth and sixth a hundred percent i would just say in terms of from what i have seen the best of the rest would be coventry and sunderland and i think they've got one or two individuals and they play a nice they play a nice style on the eye as well both of them which which helps exactly (laughs) which i appreciate um I also think Swansea is a, and you know, they've come from from nowhere. And since we've beaten them, I think they've won five or six on the bounce. Um, and what I find really, really interesting is, you know, I'm sure every Millwall fan watching this has probably spent the last sort of week or so being like, oh, if we'd have just got one more point, we'd be in a different position. But then I think about Swansea, who are three points behind us, and we've taken four points off them this season. We got two. Last two minute goals to equalise at their place, and we didn't deserve anything. And then somehow, after they played us off the park, we beat them at home, two um, one. And they're they're probably thinking the same, you know. So that's how fine margins this league is, right? Where you know we're like, oh, we should have got something at Hull, we should have got something against Birmingham, Huddersfield. But they'll be feeling equally aggrieved. And I guess the point I'm trying to make here is is that it kind of always evens itself out somewhere along the lines. And I think whoever ends up in those sort of fifth and sixth places, it is wacky races, but at the end of the day, it is what it is, and they would have deserved to have got there. Mm. Oh, yes. So none of us, none of us, uh, is, is anyone going to, can we put our neck on the line and just go with our, our fifth and sixth? I went for one or other of Coventry and Sunderland, and with some very perverse logic, because everything was telling me that Blackburn weren't going to get in. They had the hardest running. They had a game in hand, but that didn't matter. They've got to go to Millwall on the last day. Mm. Um, and, and Blackburn have been very confusing statistically this season. All their numbers of Adam looking like a 
mid-table team, but then they weren't. And then when their numbers were good, their points dropped off. So they've kind of just done the opposite of everything we thought. So um, I went for one of Coventry or Sunderland and then Blackburn just for, for silly reasons. But I totally agree with your um, analysis. And I'll bow to your superior knowledge of whether Millwall can go to Blackpool and, and do everything. I think it's a very interesting wrinkle, though, that says if Millwall goes to Blackpool and beat them, Blackpool are, are relegated, aren't they? Which could play into your guys' hands if you can be leading at um, 30 minutes to go. Panic. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Like I said, I, I think, you know, if, if we win our both games, I truly believe that Coventry and Thunder will drop points somewhere. So I, I fancy Coventry to beat Birmingham 2-1. I also fancy... some have got a score lines, Chris. Yeah, I know. You've probably got goals. Yeah, Honestly, I've got hard about this. I have, I have predicted that Sunderland will beat Watford 2-0 at home. But then the last game of the season, I can just see Preston grinding out a draw against Sunderland as a 0-0. Bit of a, a tough one there. But I could also see Middlesbrough beating Coventry 1-0. So, so Joe, what, what points total do you think? What is it, 69 makes it in there? So on my table, I've got um, Sunderland with 59. Sorry, Sunderland with 69 points. With a plus twelve, Coventry sixty nine with a plus ten. You think fifth place will have less than seventy? That'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. So I think we're going into last season. I'm sure we did, and we obviously finished ten year average, Chris seventy four point three. So it is proper. It's good to show, you, doesn't it? Drunk men fight in this season. <laughs> yeah, points distribution though, isn't it across the league? Where we're saying totally right because of people like Huddersfield winning three out of four at the bottom all of. You know, all of a sudden right. the points go in the bottom and Burnley beating everybody, basically, yeah. And Wigan as well, exactly. So I've got Millwall, Millwall 7th. Literally, I've got us one point away from Coventry uh, with a plus 8. Uh, Swansea, 68 points like Millwall, but they'll be in 8th place. They'll win their both the next two games with a plus 7. I've got West Brom in 9th. Blackburn, Blackburn in 10th. I think they'll, they'll get no points in the next two games. Uh, Preston with, a, with, with uh, 64 points 11th and then Norwich with that 12th spot with 63 points even a quid on that because if that comes in you're a genius and you'll probably win about 10 grand as well all those well, on every single scoreline though yeah every single scoreline as well yeah exactly please guess responsibly 18 plus only big amble red contracted to say I'm just over 18 so I'm, I'm fine so <laughs> just just don't just, um, just. So, so none of us have got Millwall finishing the playoffs thing because I, I, um, I've got um, Coventry and Blackburn down as mine. I, I follow the narrative, Ben, really? on on Blackburn from from your perspective. They've had a tough run of games as well, Blackburn. So I don't think it's true form. Um, and I just think Coventry on their day can beat anyone in the league because of their well, attacking prowess. Well, and they've got the red hot striker as well. Yeah, you're right. It does mean that that Blackburn then have to beat Luton. And they need to beat, uh, sorry, us as well. Yeah, yeah will Luton will Luton rest players? Is the thing. Um, I think. I think also, by the way, sorry, Joe. I've just looked at my one to twenty-four, uh, which you can find on my channel. I had Millwall in eight. Oh wow! There you go. I'm not far off it. Could I'm, I'm, I'm saying seven. Right. So exactly, yeah. But no, I, I think also I think form is important. So I get about resting players, but I think teams need to win. You know, winning mentality, that kind of that fluency going. I think if you, if you drop points or lose games, that could be the difference between possibly not quite bouncing back. So you've got to get the momentum going, winning games. 
So the last thing I think I'll, the players will do is rest players. I mean, what they might do, if they get sort of one or two goals up, they might take a player off in the 65th minute rather than playing the whole 90 minutes, maybe. But I can't see them tinker it too much, you know. I agree, but I would present in evidence Huddersfield 2017, reserve team for the last two games, won the playoffs. Aston Villa 2019, reserve team for the final game. Was that has worked before? It has worked, and there's two examples. I know Villa were yeah. stacked, weren't they? At Greeley, yeah. Abraham, and Mings in the championship, for God's sake. But Huddersfield, you'd think, would have needed the momentum. Of course. And they, the, you know, German manager, res, you know, reserve team, and yeah, it, it did, didn't score a goal, did they? Nil-nil, own goal, nil-nil in the final, what, the two games on penalty. Wow. Great memory there. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Well, there you go. That was beautiful. That's not there we go. Well, so none of us have got Millwall finishing in the playoffs, but look, we live in hope. And um, I, I genuinely think we beat Blackpool and it's game on. So I think we can all probably agree with that. But the kind of final topic I wanted to just talk through is essentially, um, where do we go from here? You know, what what what, what does the, the the summer look like? What do we need to, to think about? And, um, you know, o- over the years, Ben, I, I've liked how you've evolved your model for doing your kind of 1-24 to 24 at the start of the season. You look at things like consistency of management and parachute payments and all that kind of good stuff. And I think this season, the tide is so low because I don't think the quality is as high as it has been. And my personal view is next season is going to be a stronger championship. The team you coming need, now, they're going to be stronger. Who might be coming up from League One, presuming? Yeah, you know all about that. Um <laughs> And then I think you'll have that kind of consistency element where teams that have maybe got into gear a little bit too late this season, um, but actually form over the last sort of 12 games extrapolated over a full season would put them further up in the table. So I'm looking at teams like <clears throat> even even West Brom. I know their form's not great, but over the course of Corberon's reign, it probably is better than where they are now. You've got um, Norwich would have been uh, sort of better off under their, their current manager. The likes of Stoke have picked up with Swansea's the classic ar- argument. So you put all those things together and I see a really tough league next year, which makes it even 15 teams in the top six, haven't you, when you're doing your predictions? Yeah, um, I've been there before. So, yeah, I just wanted to sort of touch on, you know, what do you think about the league next year? Bit of insight maybe into um, some unnamed League One teams, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> um, and what recruitment do you think we need? Well, I'd love to talk about Plymouth. Eh? No, um, <laughs> it's, it's so hard to it's so hard to tell. Um, we always use the term moving parts, don't we? There's just so many moving parts. If I were a Millwall fan, the one thing I would cling on to is we know what we're going to get from your chairman, and it's going to be stable. It's not going to be bonkers. You're not going to break FFP and sign eight lone E strikers from the Premier League on 70 grand a week. So what we can count on is that you will not do anything silly and hold kind of where you are. The problem is, is that lots of other teams will, and some of them will get it right. And that's always the difficulty, isn't it? And uh, you make a really, really good point as to... So I would broaden it out and say... What does it? How does it work specifically for Millwall if you have this drunk men fighting scenario versus, do you remember the 2018-19 season where the standard was really high 
and you had Sheffield United and Norwich killing it. Bielsa's Leeds couldn't even get in. That Villa team I mentioned with the highest wage bill in the history of the championship won the playoffs against a Derby team with Mount Tamori and Wilson in. West Brom had um, uh, Rodriguez, Gale and Barnes for the first half of the season. And you had teams like Bristol City spending six or seven million quid on a centre-back, you know. Does that work for... I mean, in that example, you'll remember that season. It didn't go well for Millwall when he works for Ipswich, obviously. But um, you wonder, does that work for Millwall? Or would you almost prefer it to be, you know, everybody drunk, trying to punch each other, all falling over? And, you know, you you kind of just walk through the car park to the front of the bar, yeah? Um, So... uh, I don't know. I really, really don't know. And you, you also think, who's coming down from the Premier League? Is anybody going to be Fulham? You, mm. you know, and just, they're not even in the conversation because they're so much better than everybody else. And Burnley's a weird example because the reset was so yeah. surprising. But will we will we get, is one place in the table just not, you know, going to be off limits because someone's going to score not, get relegated and score 90 five points or or what have you I would love to see Millwall doubled you'll know more about the accounts than I double down on what they've done this summer and you know maybe we see some more clever loanees maybe we see it's hard to get it right every time Paul Fleming out every summer mm-hmm. but I, I would love to see that and uh, on, honestly I'd, I'd you know have Rower in in situ and keep building, keep building your, um, but you know, it's very kind that you said about the, um, the one to 24s. I totally think if your manager was there at the end of season A and he's still there at the start of season B, you're more stable than mm. probably 40% of the clubs are going to be because you know, as well as I do, by the time we get to September international break, you tell me five clubs will have sat their managers. You know, that will have happened. I don't know who they're going to be, one of the relegated clubs, I bet you, someone will come down for the Premier League, probably change their manager in June, and then sack them before October. Yeah. Bill won't do that. So, oh, I'm talking myself round in circles of 50 different scenarios, but I do think the positive would be your stability, but I'd like to see you double down and go again. Whether How many years you can afford to do that before the FFP bites, I don't know. But what do you think? <laughs> Chris? Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I agree. And I, I think that um, if it was if it was down to me, I would absolutely ensure that Rao is here next next season. Um, and I would, I, I think regardless what happens, there's there's a there's a big need for recruitment drive uh, over the summer. I know it's easy to say, and probably every club says it, but with the, with the players that, the sort of gaps that we have currently. I mean, we've got one central striker, you know, and that's currently, you know, that who knows what happens over the summer. So there is a big recruitment kind of drive. I think what we need to try and do is, to, is to your point, Ben, over the next sort of few transfer windows, sign more Z and Flemings, you know, players that have got, that you know, maybe a little bit of a gamble, but they have a resale value and then know when the right time is to cash in on those players. Because that is a build a sustainable model, and it is the Brentford model, and it is harder said. It's, you know, it's so hard. Everybody is going to be looking at that, and they've all got the data, they've all got the scouts, and, and it's 
so good that you got you got Fleming. You got to take a bit of a gamble, and you know you you go to the German market. All of a sudden, then everyone goes to the German market. If there's one successful player, Portugal, uh, mm. Netherlands, wherever you know, United States, we thought was going to be the the next yeah. one, and everyone like you just identified the player, haven't you? Um, young resale value doesn't mm. cost you an absolute arm and a leg if you do the right deal is so competitive to get those players sorry Chris carry on no no, no I, I completely agree and I think where there could be some value um, just using recency is some of the teams that are going down from the championship so my 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 kind of Will Keane well yes yes I stand that yeah. this is it so this is where my, my, my mind goes to so if, if we say that the, le- the playing field was as level as, pos- as as it's been in a long time this season. So the teams at the bottom aren't that much worse than the teams at the top. And there will be some value in some of the players going down. So the likes of Wigan, Will Keane, Callum Lang, Max Power, Jack Watmore. They've all impressed me when I've seen them play this season. Um, Blackpool, we've been rumoured with Jerry Yates, Josh Bowler. I know he's on loan there, but he's not a bad player. You, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is I think there could be some real value. A bit like what Luton did sure. with Barnsley and look at some of the players that are in the teams that are going down and have a look at it that way, um, that would be where I would start off. But, um, Joe, I don't know what you think. Yeah, it's an interesting point that um, Ben said about, you know, the uh, the, the recruitment, but also the um, the Brentford model. I mean, one thing, me, me and um, Chris had a chat with Gary Rowett uh, a couple months ago, it was, I think, at the an exec lounge, I had a chat with him, and um, he was quite, surprisingly, he was quite all for it. Yeah, he kind of made, made a bit of a kind of remark to say, yeah, what if we sold Zian Fleming in a year's time, he said, for $8 million. I don't think we'll get $8 million for him. So I think he's, he, he had a great start to the season, Fleming. And he's kind of tell off a lot of miles off with that number, though, are you? No, I think realistically, I think five or six million is pretty worth at the moment. But that's still great when you, when you consider we paid $1.7 million for him. So yeah, but I always say if you can sell to a parachute team or a Premier League team, it goes up by 20% straight away. That's the one, isn't it? That's true. So let's say we're with eight million. That guy right said to me and Chris, he goes, he said, is is a is a uh, you know a thing I have for you guys. He goes, what if we sold Zian Fleming for say eight million and bought four Zian Flemings? That's what Gary Wright said to me and Chris, as in like let's spend the money on four million pound players, not necessarily Fleming as in that position, but that kind of quality from overseas. Joe, you're talking to an Ipswich fan. We had Kieran Dyer, who was the best young central midfielder in the country. Sold him the year before we went up. We signed Gary Croft, John McGreal, Jermaine Wright, and then the absolute coup de gras in February, we signed Marcus Stewart. And I've I've talked to Kieran Dyer about this, and he says, "Would they? Was I a better player than those four? Yes, I was. Would I beat those four in a fight in a four-on-one game of football? No, I wouldn't." Yeah, that's true. That's very, very good point, Randy. Yeah, and I think it's proven it, it, it works, isn't it? Like I said, we we use even Brighton for that matter. You know how many great you know bit of recruitment Brighton have done over the years, and they've sold players for massive um, you know amounts of money, and they're very sustainable at the moment. They're still bringing churning in. They're kind of the Brentford of the Premier League now. They are on, yeah, yeah but for much bigger margins as well. So what's what's quite pleasing as, as much as you know, I'll be sad to see someone as the end floating You never want to lose your best players, but a bit like you saw with Kieran Dyer, if you're selling a player. Where you're getting three or four quality players in that's going to strengthen your squad and make you a bigger team and improve, then I'm all for it. Um, the difficult thing with Mill over the years, 
I'm probably going back years and you talk about Tim Cahill, that kind of era, Stephen Reed, Lucas Neal. We, we sold players for peanuts. And, and our, and our sell-on has been really terrible. Well, and even we Wallace going for free recently. Well, even that for free, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that was interesting as well, as well, because again, you know, that kind of putting Gary in too much. Yeah, you know, he mentioned about Jed Wallace. Yeah, you know, we had the option to sell him to Forrest, I think, last January um, for, for fairly cheap. And he had a conversation with the chairman. The chairman said, I don't need the money. We don't need to sell it for, for, for a million pounds where we're offered. Let's keep and let's give it one more push in the playoffs. So you can see it's a bit of a gamble. It might have paid off for us by kicking Jed, but it didn't. You know, but you're absolutely right. That was a bit of bad business. I think the only bit of business we made that was really good was um, George Savile. We went to Zurzburg. Yeah, that was like eight, eight and a half million. And he had probably been, sorry, Joe, just to to sort of let Ben know, I think Savile has been probably our player of the season. To be honest, oh, he's been absolutely outstanding this year. Through the second half of the season, in particular, you're right there, Chris. He's been so so reliable, so good. You know, he, he should be the captain, really. I think, but we we got a beast this bit of money, and actually bought him back for peanuts. So again, that's a great bit of business there. Um, and I said, go back to our point. I don't want to lose the M Fleming, but it means we could then reinvest that money and bring in three or four one point seven million power players and do what Kieran uh, Derek died on when he left Ipswich and reinvest. Then I'm actually all for it, you know, and uh, that might be the difference for us making it on that lot next season. And and youngsters as well. I mean, how many games has Mitchell played now? He's played a very good couple. Yeah, I mean, he was injured for a little bit recently, but he must have played, what, 30, 30 odd games a season, I think. So having a Mitchell and a McNamara, obviously, they've won an, a dying like Sheffield United have got, where your player you've bought through is actually potentially on the balance sheet for 20 million or. Well, that's right. But that's that's the other way, isn't it? Exactly. We've got another youngster called uh, Roman Essay. I don't you see much of him. Yes. Yeah, we've, we've, we've had... We've, uh, d- uh, and the people at ITV are aware as well. Don't worry. Oh, I'm really? Go well. I made them, I made them aware. I'm yeah. like, who's that? The size of that guy? Who is that? <laughs> well, he's only sort of 17. I don't think he's quite 18 yet. And he's um, he's basically fast-tracked from the under-21s, kind of skipped the under-21s and, and come straight into our squad. Although he does play for the under twenty ones, but he's he's a regular on the bench. He comes on for the last sort of fifteen, twenty minutes. And he's um yeah, something we haven't got yeah, have previously. He's very creative, very good on the eye, um, uh, very skillful, very kind of, you know, he's, he's ahead of himself. And at that age he's so young. But again, Gary wrote mentioned about him next season playing a big part in our, in our team. Doing, like sixteen year fifteen, sixteen year old that made his day. Yeah, Zach Lovelace. Yeah, that was last last year. So Zach Lovelace again. He's one of our youngest players to play for us, 15, 16 years of age. But due to the kind of loophole with sending it to a Scottish team, we got peanuts for him for the tribunal. So he went to Rangers um, last season. They signed him on professional contract at the time. Yeah. But um, again, SA is one for the future, but there's a rumour that there are premiership clubs looking at him already. Now, whether they actually buy him and then loan him back to us next year, I'm not quite sure, but there's a possibility that he could be on his way this summer. But again, if the money's there, then, yeah, who are we two men? You're totally right, because if you talk to any Leeds fan, they the best bit of business they did, they sold Jack Clark to Spurs for £10 million. He's only now um, getting it going again at yeah. Tussle. And then loan, loaned him back, took Ben White on loan. Okay, they had Bielsa as manager, which always helps, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. But, you know, you, you're totally right. I try and say this to Ipswich fans as well, because... Without fail, all fans, when their best players are linked with clubs higher up the food chain. And let's yeah. be fair, 
unless you're Real Madrid, somebody is above you in the food chain. That yeah. there's a bigger club that's got more money. You know, you just have to accept there's always someone taller or better looking than you, and <laughs> you just got to accept that sometimes it's not it's not the worst thing in the world to sell. You just got to build up uh, that trust that the money's going to be reinvested in a in a you know in a sort of sturdy way, I guess. And Absolutely. with our chairman, I think we, we, we know, what, as you said, Ben, earlier, we know what we're getting. We, we will get that reinvestment and um, have total trust in him. And we're just, very- Chris, those rules are just so awful for clubs like Millwall where, you know, you tr- what's your average attendance? It's, uh, this season it's gone up. It's about 14,000 now. Um, you've got this James 30 million quid so- loss limit, you know, in terms of the rolling FFP sustainability and... You know, if, if you're not bringing in mega bucks and, you know, the Premier League are paying 45 million quid to three teams every every year, it just stitches up Luton. I know I'm ranting on about it, Luton, Millwall, oh, you know. Luton even, Luton can't draw any more than 10,000 because it's all the stadium, yeah, you know, true, holds, holds anyway. And it, it just stitches up these people because obviously John Berylson's very smart, but he'll be looking at it going, all right push a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more but I don't want to I know he's never going to turn into Mr Chancery or Mel Morris or someone like that but you know you've got to be very you know very aware of where those where those limits are because then it, all it is is one season points deduction and you know Sorry. things turn quickly don't they absolutely yeah 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 all right cool. well um, we I think yeah, I think we'll we'll sort of bring the show to a, a conclusion. Um, really enjoyed the the conversation, and just a massive thank you once again, Ben, for for coming onto the show today. And for for those of you that are listening, please do go and check out uh, Ben's channel, BBFC, um, uh, over on his channel. It's lots and lots of great content. So thank you very much. And and gents, anything for for final thoughts before we we close out? I just want to thank you. Know, Ben as well for, for himself. I mean, um, Ben, love watching your stuff. Obviously, we, you know, privileged to kind of see your stuff on social media quite regularly. And um, yeah, yeah, thanks again for coming on and keep doing what you're doing. We, 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 we love watching it. No, pleasure. It'd be lovely to get down to the den a bit more regularly. Yeah, I work every Saturday and I've got the. Really my, play us. Yeah. My daughter. <laughs> hey, do, do you remember the 4 3? Yes. Where, yeah, yeah. There's a very strange game which we maybe lucked out a little bit to to win, but um, yeah, there's a. And then I remember, was it the next season you beat us three nil, and Paul Lambert had just been announced as the as the manager. I just remember an absolute howler, and yeah, who was it? I think it's Ryan Leonard lobbed lobbed one over our keeper who was on safari. In fact, that would have been. That would have been Bart Bielkowski, actually, but uh, it would have been at the time. Yeah. yeah, he was. He wasn't having his best season there. Let's just say he certainly a friendly this season. Uh, beginning of the season was there a friendly played this season or one before? Yeah, it was this season. Run it. What was you, this season? You know, like, before, yeah, I think it was this season. I've come with one where it was a draw, but you guys played us off the park. Yeah, I was thinking, so how the hell have Ipswich got relegated? You know, how they do to play Division Blast when they're playing this well. And it, you the guys, problem is, Joe, that works in pre-season friendlies. There's a certain amount of extra substance needed when you're off to Cheltenham on Tuesday night or Accrington, Fleetwood, Morecambe. Love, love and respect all of those clubs, but they will, they will just laugh at you as, you, as you're trying to play it, play it out from the back and um, yeah. 
boot out it's a player that pushed 10 metres up the pitch and good luck. Yeah. They're so good on the eye, though. They look so good. They're, they're a good footballing team. Remember, it's watching and thinking, this team are too good for Division 1. They're, they're, they're better than us. Better than us. Yeah. I know what you mean in terms of the patterns of play and, and stuff, and hopefully that will, you know, assuming they get the job done against Exeter on Saturday, hopefully that will translate in terms of... Um, in terms of championship, and yeah, we'll be able to come. Yeah. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to get to. Uh, hey, I'll certainly be there if you're um, if you're in a playoff semi final. Yeah. I've said for the longest time, I would love to see, particularly if it's the evening game. I know you'd have to finish third or fourth generally to get the evening game at um, yeah. at the Den. But yeah, I, I always say when we talk about atmospheres, it was Millwall Fulham. Um, they turned you over actually at the end of the seventeen eighteen season. Yeah. Is the loudest that and Birmingham Villa is the loudest I've heard any championship stadium. So I think a playoff game there would be would be sensational. But yeah, best of luck. Thank you. Thanks very much. Okay, gents. Well, um, thank you very much. And um, yeah, for those listening, um, please do like, share, share, subscribe, all of that jazz. And um, on to Blackpool. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.